by design our musical celebration of Christ's resurrection is a bit extended this morning, but we do want to take a few moments to focus on a passage from God's Word. I invite you to turn to Romans chapter 8, where we'll look at verses 11 and then 16 and 17. Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 11. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who indwells you. Now verse 16. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirits that we are the children of God, and if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him, in order that we may also be glorified together. The glorious event of the resurrection of Jesus Christ happened 2,000 years ago. That's a long time. But it's not an occurrence that is isolated or disconnected from us in 1994. On the first Sunday of Easter, Jesus Christ rose from the dead and began a parade of the redeemed following him into heaven. He is the forerunner who has entered heaven for us. And so for the last 2,000 years, the vast army of the redeemed has marched victoriously behind him from this world into the next under the banner of his cross. Today, we follow in the train of millions of people who have lived before us, who have believed on Jesus Christ, fought the good fight of faith, kept the holy faith, and then filed onward to join the captain of our salvation in his heavenly glory. Jesus Christ is leading a grand procession of his people, the children of God. He and they are united in every experience in life. As we look at our text, we notice three experiences in particular that are shared by Jesus Christ and his people. The first is that Christ suffered. Verse 11 says that he died. He suffered unto death. Christ suffered. God's children likewise will suffer for him. The suffering I'm talking about is not having a bad day, coming down with some disease, or having a flat tire on vacation. The suffering I'm talking about here from Romans chapter 8 is not the cancellation of your favorite TV show. The suffering that is mentioned in Romans chapter 8 is the suffering that comes to us because of our faith in Christ and the life values which that faith entails. This persecution or harassment of God's children is to be expected in this world. Jesus said, if you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. In light of this, Peter wrote, 
If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed. If anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not feel ashamed, but in that name let him glorify God. Christ suffered. God's children suffer also for him in this world. That oppression of suffering comes in many different ways. It can come in a physical sense with beatings, jail, death, or as we see in the case of our missionary being held captive, kidnapped. This suffering can come in a social way, as most of us have experienced at some time or another with a look of disdain toward us, or words of ridicule or rejection by our peers. This oppression can come in an economic way, as one who is faithful to Jesus Christ is not promoted, or he has refused consideration of a job because of his faith. You say that doesn't happen. It does happen, and it's happened to people in our congregation in the last year. The Apostle Paul said, For to you it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. Just as we have been given the gracious gift of salvation through our faith in Christ, we have been graciously given by God the privilege of suffering, shame in this world for Christ's sake. He suffered in our place on the cross in a way that could never be repeated. And yet there is a sense in which we also suffer in his place in the world every day because we belong to him and are united with him. Jesus Christ suffered in this world and those who are the children of God will suffer for him as well. And may I say that never are believers closer to Christ than when we suffer for his sake. There's a second experience that we share with him. Christ was glorified. And God's children will be glorified with him. Jesus said, was it not necessary? Was it not essential for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? You see, there was a divine order. It is an order that extends till this day. It is suffering first, glory later. We would like to dispense with the suffering and get on with the glory, but that isn't God's plan. Suffering comes now, glory comes later. And just as surely as Christ was glorified, so will God's children be glorified with him. Peter said the Spirit of Christ predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. Yes, we may suffer for Christ in this world, but the fact is that we're leaving this world one day to be glorified with Christ in heaven. Jesus' glory began with his resurrection. Twice in verse 11, 
The fact that he was raised from the dead is said. As surely as he was raised from the dead, so will we be raised from the dead. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies, he says. These are the mortal bodies, the ones that we live in. They are subject to death. Our bodies decay. They become sick. Eventually they die. They are mortal. But the one who raised Jesus Christ from the dead, that is the Father, will also raise us from the dead in a different kind of body, recognizable but fundamentally different, a glorified body, one that will never be subject to decay, disease, or death. Christ was glorified, and we who know Jesus Christ will one day be resurrected with a glorified body just like his. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all shall be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, after that those who are Christ's at his coming. Just as it was impossible for the grave to hold Jesus, so it is impossible that the grave can hold the body of those who have been redeemed by Jesus. Christ was glorified and God's children will be glorified with him one day in heaven. On this Easter, if you are thinking of someone who worshipped here with you last year, whom you knew or loved, or someone in your more distant past who has died and gone on to be with Christ, Rejoice this Easter in the hope that is ours. In that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead and because he lives, we too shall live. And your own mortal body will one day be changed to be like his. That is your hope in Christ. Not a hope in the sense of it's something you wish would happen, but a hope in the sense of something you know will happen. There's a third experience that arises in our text that we share with Christ. Christ suffered, we suffer. He was glorified, we shall be glorified. Third, Christ is heir, and God's children are heirs with him. Jesus Christ is the heir of everything. Everything. All that is in creation belongs to him by right of inheritance. He is the heir of all things. And we who are in Christ, we who have believed and received him as Lord and Savior, are said to be, in verse 17, not only children because of our faith, but heirs also. Yes, he says, even fellow heirs with Jesus Christ. Now you stop to think about that for a moment. With Jesus Christ, we too will inherit all things. Everything. 
When it says that we are co-heirs with Christ, it suggests the fact that he will receive his inheritance when all of his co-heirs are present with him. We all have to be there together. When the will is opened and the inheritance is distributed. That's a lot to look forward to. There was a headline in the newspaper some time ago that said, Winners only hope a long life. The story went on to tell about a man who had won $1,250,000 in some contest. The winnings would be paid to him in annual payments of $62,500 for 20 years. His only problem was that he was 68 years old. The bottom line of the article stated, I just hope I live long enough to get all of them. You can understand his hopes and his dilemma. Let me tell you something. We who are the heirs of of God and who are joint heirs with Jesus Christ have all of eternity to enjoy our spiritual inheritance. It will just keep coming and coming and coming forever and forever. What guarantee do we have that we are God's children? What assurance do we as God's children have that our suffering in this world will lead to glory? Well, he tells us that it's the Holy Spirit in both cases. In the first place, it is the Holy Spirit who bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Do you have that witness of the Spirit of God within this morning? Or is there a question mark in your life? God doesn't want us to live with question marks, especially this one. You see, we can have an exclamation point in our lives knowing that we are the children of God. Earlier in this chapter it says that if a person does not have the Holy Spirit, he is not God's child. You say, how can I have the Holy Spirit? How can I have the assurance that I'm God's child? The answer is very simple. It is to turn from your sin in repentance and to come to Jesus Christ in simple faith. It means more than just knowing about Jesus or even singing Easter songs. It means to open the heart and to give one's life to Him and at the same point receive Him as Lord and Savior of the life. That's how we become the children of God. And when we receive Him, the Holy Spirit begins His work inside of us, witnessing to us, you're a child of God. You're a child of God. I hope that that's an assurance that you possess, and that if you don't possess it this morning, you would trust Jesus Christ as your own Lord and Savior, that you may have that assurance from the God Spirit What guarantee do we have that we are going to receive glory for our suffering? Well, if you have the Holy Spirit residing in you as a child of God, the Holy Spirit is a down payment of all of the inheritance that is to come. 
He himself is the guarantee from God that you will receive the glory of God with Jesus Christ as his co-heir. And there is nothing on earth or in hell that can keep you from that inheritance because the Spirit of God is the seal within you, guaranteeing that one day you will arrive there. And because you are already named as a co-heir with Jesus Christ, you must be there so that he then can receive all things as part of his inheritance. No wonder we sing hallelujah. No wonder we sing of him who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. On this day we celebrate the cross. We lift it high. The cross is empty. He has paid the price for our sin at the cross. He has been buried in the grave. He has resided there for three days and three nights. But now on this first day of the week we celebrate that he is alive. He has been raised from the dead. And the Holy Spirit who dwells in our hearts says, yes, amen. He is yours. You are his. And all of the experiences of life and all of the experiences of eternity, you as a child of God share with him who is the resurrected king. Let's pray. In the quietness of this moment, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, would you, as an act of faith, just pray silently within your own heart, Lord Jesus Christ, I need you, I want you. Cleanse me of my sin and my guilt. I believe that you died for me and rose again from the dead, and I receive you right now into my life. The Spirit of God will begin witnessing with your spirit that you're God's child. And those of us this morning who are the children of God, let us rejoice. Let our hearts be lifted high on this day that Jesus lives and we live in him. God, we give praise and thanks to you for him who is our king and who is the king of kings and the Lord of Lords. Hallelujah. Amen.